You're listening to a North Valley Community Church podcast. For more information and resources, visit us online at northvalleychurch.org. All right. Congratulations, guys. That's so cool. That's so great. Well, hey, good morning, guys. My name is Ryan. I serve as the lead pastor here at the church. It is Christmas season, and when you drove in, you saw the campus was decorated. I want to just acknowledge a couple volunteers, Carrie Ann Hansen and Teresa They put in probably 20 plus hours to make this place beautiful. Can we celebrate and thank them? Yeah. Uh, Thank you to all of our volunteers, uh, you know, as you guys are helping make this place special. It's fun as a pastor to see that, you know, uh, people are really contributing and really helping out and things are just moving forward. So it's really wonderful. We planted the church about five years ago and uh, it's been such a joy to come into this property uh, redeem it, restore it. It used to be a wedding venue and a bar. And uh, so we say from the bar room to the Sunday school classroom, there you will find North Valley. Uh, so we're, we're excited about uh, all that God's doing this season. Christmas Eve is coming up. Uh, you should have right in front of you in your chairs, uh, those little pockets. There's uh, some invite cards. I want you to grab one of those, if you will, search for them. Uh, there's Christmas Eve invites. This is the first time we're doing three services, so we'll see how that goes. Uh, we're trying to structure those, though, in a way that will really minister to this community. Somebody asked me, do you have midnight masses and those kind of things? Here's what we've learned over the years. The, long, the later we go in the day with Christmas Eve services, the less attended they are. So um, we want to give you guys a time as a family to spend together family We believe at North Valley, the greatest relationship you have is a relationship with God. The second one is your family. And so we really want to reinforce that, get you home with your friends, your family to spend together that Christmas Eve. Uh, So these are the times. Hey, listen, 87% of the valley is unchurched. And out of that 87% of friends and family, neighbors, coworkers that we have that don't go to church, uh, 80% of them are would say yes to an invitation to go to a Christmas Eve service. Christmas Eve is not only a Christian holiday, it's an American tradition. And uh, when they'd love it, you know, it's, it's a wonderful time. When we get together and sing Christmas songs, those are Christian songs. Oh, holy night, joy to the world. That's Christian. That's Christian theology. That's Christian uh, uh, praise. And so I want to encourage you to invite your friends and family members and uh, those that are especially family, guys. I, you, this is a great opportunity. Reach out to your family. Bring your family together. Uh, those of you that are matriarchs or patriarchs of your family, bring them all together. Let's assemble together and celebrate uh, what God's doing at North Valley and uh, how uh, Jesus is the reason for the season. It's going to be an incredible time. I'll preach less. We'll do more music. We're going to have a lot more caroling and singing. singing. Uh, it'll be a, a, a special time. Our band's working really hard, and they're doing a really good job. Can we celebrate our band for a moment? Aren't they good? Uh, they're doing such a fantastic job. We're excited. Last but not least, um, uh, year-end gifts. This is a year-end giving season. As you're looking at, um, maybe um, you're getting all sorts of invitations. I want to encourage you, if you call North Valley home, uh, to give your first priority to uh, North Valley, uh, because this is a, a permanent place of worship uh, for us, and it's a family. Um, what we have is year-end giving. It's open online. You can give anytime you want between now and January uh, 15th. You, you do need to do it before the new year if you're trying to count that uh, during that year-end giving season. 
And that really fuels our ministry. It increases our impact. And as a way of saying thanks for your giving, we have a special gift. Uh, you can just go to the guest services table and say, hey, I gave, uh, put it in the giving box. I'm here to pick up my special gift. It's a devotional guide that kind of accompanies this teaching series. We partnered with a ministry here in town. Uh, was a lot of creative writers and uh, put together a wonderful devotional guide for you and for your family. And it's just our way of saying thanks. You can pick that up anytime before service, after service. Um, and we'll be sure to always have those available at our guest services, Ramada, right out there. You can pick those up anytime and just say, hey, I'm here to pick up my special gift, and I promise you, uh, you'll get one, okay? So let me pray for us, and we're going to jump into today's message. Um, let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for this season, and we pray that our attention would be drawn towards you more and more. And God, as we come here this morning, some of our hearts are filled with great hope, and some of our hearts are really low on faith and hope. So we pray, God, in this time, would you meet with us through the ministry of your word and through the presence and the power of the Holy Spirit. We invite you now. You rule, you reign. In Jesus' name, everybody said, amen. This morning, I want to talk to you about hope for the holidays uh, and how you can overcome feelings of uh, hopelessness. Uh, you know, it's supposed to be the cheeriest time of the year. It's supposed to be the time where everybody's smiling, everybody's happy, everybody's giving, everybody's doing all that. But you know what? My father's a psychiatrist, and he says he sees more patients in the month of November and December than um, a full quarter in his entire year for depression and being really discouraged. I don't know where you're at today, but the reality is, is that we need a dose of hope to get us what we're going through. Some of you uh, may have a lot of hope. Some of you might feel a little hopeless this morning. Here's how I want to define hope. I want to define it like this. Hope is a faith-filled expectation that God has future blessings in store for us as we trust and obey Him. It's a belief that God is uh, He's God and we're not, and that as we walk in obedience and trust that God's got something bigger working out for us and we're going to keep going. Sometimes we feel in life hopeful. You feel full of hope, right? You wake up one day and things are going right and you're filled with hope. Sometimes as a Christian, I wake up and I got a lot of faith in the day. Sometimes I wake up as a Christian and I don't feel like I got a lot of faith. As we approach the holidays, we got to realize that there's a hopefulness and there's a sense of sometimes feeling utterly hopeless. Maybe the job still isn't panning out the way you want it to. Maybe your relationship life still is in a struggle and you're feeling, it's still feeling hopeless. Maybe you sense that God's not answering your prayers or your financial situation. It's a mountain of debt and you see no way out of it. Reality is we all feel that way sometimes. A feeling, a sense of hopelessness. And that's a really dangerous place to be for too long. You are human so you will feel that. You'll feel a sense of hopelessness. And there'll be times as a Christian when you're infused with a dose of hope and you feel incredibly strong and courageous and faith-filled. No matter where you're at today, I want to encourage you, you're in good company. Nobody's perfect at North Valley. Uh, it's okay to struggle with doubt and fears. And in this season of the holiday season, 
God wants to meet you right where you're at. Mary is a perfect case study of a, of a young lady who overcame the feeling of hopelessness. This morning, what we're going to do is we're going to look at the life of Mary when she is encountered with an angel sent from God to share with her some disturbing news to her that she's going to be found pregnant when she was engaged legally to be married, and it rocks her world. But she responds with an incredible sense of hope. So let's read together. I'll read aloud, and you can follow along in verse 26. In the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth to a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David. And the virgin's name was Mary. And he came to her and said, Greetings, O favored one, the Lord is with you. But she was greatly troubled. She was greatly troubled. The Luke, the historian, the Dr. Jones of the New Testament records this, likely would have met with Mary. And these are Mary's own words that when she had this angelic encounter, she was greatly troubled at the saying. And she tried to discern what sort of greeting this might be. And the angel said to her, do not be afraid, for you have found favor with God. You know, that phrase, do not be afraid, appears more than 352 times in the Bible. Anytime something's repeated, it means it's kind of important. Uh, that feeling of hopelessness, behind that feeling you might have in the season of life or the trial or the struggle that you're either in right now or you just came out of or what you might be going into, behind that hopelessness, I bet, would be a sense of fear. You're afraid of the unknown. And God knows the way his people are wired is like there's a sense of fear in everybody. And you see brutal dictators throughout world history, they prey upon fear and they make their move. So the announcement to Mary is do not be afraid. Here's my question to you guys. Why is Mary so afraid? I mean, it's an angel. It's a good angel. Why is she so afraid? Well, the obvious answer is that she just saw an angel. And angels are not, uh, don't appear in the Bible as these chubby, little, harmless looking little adolescent children floating around in togas and a, to a toy bow and arrow. You know, when, when you think about an angel, you think of like the little Charmin little angel floating through. That's not the kind of angel in the Bible. The kind of angel in the Bible is actually majestic warriors, powerful. And that's why they probably say, as soon as there's an encounter, is don't be afraid. Don't die on me. It's a supernatural encounter when you see an angel. Angels are not natural. They're not normal. They're supernatural. There's no expiration dates on angels. They don't, they don't die. Like you and me have expiration dates. Um, I like to remind myself of that from time to time. It might be little odd to you, but I don't know if you've ever done this or not. Uh, Ari Ari the Arizona um, Republic has got some pretty good little sections called the obituaries. And from time to time, I just like to read those to kind of see how people's life laid out. And there's a date of death on everybody. You got one, I got one. Angels don't have those. They're eternal beings. Ain't Mary would have been a little 
freaked out to say the least. Gabriel is one of the two angels mentioned by name in the Bible. The other is Michael. That's my middle name. I don't know if my mom named me after an angel. I didn't spend a lot of my early years living like an angel. But uh, Michael and Gabriel are the two angels mentioned by name in the Bible. Gabriel's the one who brings this news. Angels in the Bible are ministers and messengers. They are servants and spokesmen for God. In the Bible, we see Gabriel is timeless. Hundreds and hundreds of years before this encounter with Mary, he had already been with Daniel and to reveal to him the the meaning of a vision. And he was there for Daniel to give him wisdom and understanding a political situation in Babylon. In the New Testament, Gabriel had already appeared to Zechariah and Elizabeth, which would have been Mary's relative, that they were going to have a baby. And the baby's name would be John the Baptist. And it freaked Zechariah out. And Zechariah, uh, we're going to learn more about him in just a minute. But nonetheless, this would have been a lot for Mary. She was freaked out. Mary, at the time, most scholars agree, she was 12 to 14 years old. She's a young Jewish girl. Likely had a crush on Joseph. And she was dating and engaged at this time uh, to the boy of her dreams. And by the way, betrothal under this culture would have been like a legal uh, term for marriage. It wasn't just a light engagement. A betrothal is a public announcement to friends and family that you're going to be married to this person. In Matthew's gospel, they record that there was a plan to secretly divorce one another once they found out that, uh, that Mary was pregnant with this child. Mary's a young girl. She's from a town called Nazareth, a.k.a. it would be like Nowhereville. There's 100 to 200 people, by most scholarly opinions, that live there. It's a one-well town, a one-horse town. Everybody has to share from the same drinking bucket of water. Its its reputation has already been described in the Bible uh, by Nathaniel, who said, can anything good come out of Nazareth? You know, Nazareth would be like that little truck stop maybe between here and Palm Springs. One of those really raunchy little spots that you really, as soon as you get there, if you've got kids, the first thing you say to the kids is, get in and get out as fast as possible. By the time I'm done pumping this gas, you better be in that car. Uh, those, those little truck stops, they got dirty bathrooms and sometimes they smell like Satan's breath. They got crusty old corn dogs that you know, they've been on there a long time. And you want the coffee, but you know that coffee just might kill you. So you pump gas and get in and get out as far fast as you can. Welcome to Nazareth. That's Nazareth. That's where Mary's from. She's from that little spot, that little place that you would say, can anything good come out of that little place? I'm sure the sight of the angel overwhelmed her. Luke specifically says that she was troubled at the angel saying his greeting, O favored one. She thinks to herself, who am I? I'm from Nowhereville. She shows, the angel shows up in heavenly glory and tells her, you're the favored one. Imagine if we're here in the middle of the church service later, helicopters start flying over, you hear sirens break out, All of a sudden, you see a SWAT team run into the church, and they get on a megaphone and then yell your name by name, 
and they say, hey, we've got a national urgent issue of security and you're really special, you got to come with me. You would be freaked out. You'd be terrified. That's exactly what Mary's going through. An angelic, supernatural, powerful, warrior-like figure shows up and gives this announcement to her. She's naturally got some questions thinking, who am I? How am I at the top level of God's detail that he would send an angel to speak to me? Look what the angel says to her, verse 31. And behold, you'll conceive in your womb and bear a son. You shall call his name Jesus. He will be great and be called the Son of the Most High. And the Lord God will give to him the throne of his father David, and he'll reign over the house of Jacob forever and his kingdom. There will be no end. She's got some questions, and the angel has this response to her to help her understand. Imagine, ladies, you're Mary. You're in Mary's shoes. You would be shocked, surprised, overwhelmed. You had had plans to be married in that small little town on a shoestring budget, and now you find yourself what you appear to be randomly pregnant. It's a small town. You imagine a small town will talk about this. There's a girl who's Culturally speaking, if she was to be found pregnant during this betrothal period, her uh, offense could be punishable by death. She's terrified. She is shocked, overwhelmed. Her, uh, her, this event would have been seen as that she was unfaithful. Nobody would know who the father is. And her response is, an angel visited me and told me that I'd be bearing a child, who by the way, his name's Jesus, and he's got a kingdom that'll never end. How do you think that would go over? Not too well. You'd have some questions if that was you, ladies. You'd have some questions to the angel, and Mary does. Look at verse 34, and Mary said to the angel, how will this be since I am a virgin? Fair question. Now, let me ask you a question. Is Mary's question to the angel indication that she has significant unbelief or doubt that God's going to do this. She says, in a sense, I'm a virgin, and you know, virgins just don't typically have babies, do they? Uh, she's just saying, help me understand this. So she asks her question. But I want to point this out. Uh, for those of you that are uh, jumping into the Scriptures, if you notice earlier in Luke chapter 1, there's the same kind of questioning that goes on with a relative named Zechariah. He finds out that in their very old age, that his wife Elizabeth, who is barren, is going to have a child. And as a result, he questions the angel, and then what happens is Gabriel, the same guy, angelic figure that just announced that to Mary, tells Zechariah, you know what? Your questioning and your unbelief Here's the, here's, the, here's the result. You'll be mute for nine months. You won't be able to speak. Mary asks a question, and it's interesting to me that this is how the, the that question in this case study, what we see between Mary and Zechariah, Zechariah gets in trouble. He's putting time out. Mary's going to be praised and be like, it's, she's going to be awesome. 
So look what happens with Zechariah. I've got it here. It says, and behold, this is the angel speaking to Zechariah, and behold, you'll be silent and be unable to speak until the day that these things take place. That's like nine months. Because you did not believe my words. So the problem is, is Zechariah's unbelief. Unbelief, in, which will be fulfilled in their time. Zechariah didn't believe in God's word. He, put, he was put in time out for nine months for asking questions. So what about Mary? Why isn't Mary in trouble? Look at the gracious response that the angel has to Mary. Verse 35, and the angel answered her, the Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore, the child to be born will be called the Holy, the Son of God. Joseph won't be the biological father. The biological father will be God the Father. In verse 36, and behold, your relative Elizabeth, he's reminding her, in her old age has also conceived a son, and, in, and this is the sixth month with her who is called barren, for nothing will be impossible with God. So here's what we see. Mary isn't punished for her unbelief and doubt. She's praised. So the question comes for you and me is why? Why is she praised when she questions, but Zechariah is punished? I think there's two kinds of doubt and questions that we all have. There's the bad doubt. The bad doubt is rooted in unbelief. It's prideful and apathetic. The Bible says that pride uh, is opposed, that God opposes the proud and gives grace to the humble. A bad doubt is when you say things like this, hey, God can work in your life, and your response is, I doubt it. Hey, God could fix that relationship problem. You're in, I doubt it. Hey, listen, God can help you and heal you. I doubt it. That's unbelief. There's a bad doubt in the Christian life, and we have all can be here at times where we really, we have a deep level of unbelief that God is not good, that He can't really do it, that He's not as all-powerful as we say He is. That kind of bad doubt is rooted in pride, and there's a sense of apathy to it. We don't want to really trust God. We don't want to go out on a limb and we'll stay lazy, spiritually speaking. Zechariah likely struggled with that kind of pride. He was educated. He was a priest. He's kind of used to having all the answers. you kind of been that person before. you got all the answers in life. And when you pray, God's not answering your questions, so you're frustrated. Zechariah was frustrated, and as a result, his uh, questioning is revealed that there's a deep sense of unbelief in his life. When you have a bad kind of doubt, it means you're closed-minded and hard-hearted. Your mind's closed. You've made up your mind. God's not working on your timetable. And there can be a hardening of heart that is incredibly dangerous. The Bible says that the greatest commandment in all the Bible is to love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, and all your mind. The bad kind of doubt is rooted in unbelief. And what God wants to do is call you to a life of trusting Him, learning how to love Him with all your heart, your soul, and your mind. Bad doubt is inward focused. It's focused on self. It's limited to human power, not God's power. You say things like, I doubt it. You say things like, that's impossible. Or you say things like, prayer just doesn't work. I've tried it. Well, maybe, maybe, maybe God's not answering your prayers because that is His answer. He's just saying, no, I'm not going to do it your way. I'm going to do it my way. 
So I would say that Zechariah has a bad kind of doubting. But I'd say Mary has a good kind of doubt. There's a good kind of doubt. I think that every Christian ought to have more often. It's a desire to understand. It's an acknowledgement that you don't understand things. I mean, that's why we call it faith. Like, okay, you got to have faith. Not the George Michael version, but you know, the Bible version. That only got, if you're like around 30 and 40, you got that. The rest of you are lost. A good kind of doubt is a desire to understand. It's humble and eager to learn. The Bible says that God loves humble people and He gives more grace to them. Mary is a great example of this. She's humble. Mary wasn't rich. She was poor. Mary didn't come from a, a, a powerful place. She came from, from a place of poverty. Mary didn't really have a lot of education. She was probably illiterate. God chooses to use humble people to do incredible things. Mary had a desire to understand. She was open-minded and soft-hearted. She had an upward focus. For us to have a good kind of doubt, that's what we need. We need an open mind. God, I don't understand this, but I'm asking you to help me. God, I, I, I am struggling. My heart is becoming callous. I need you to soften that. Those are the kind of things God likes to do. God, I, I see, all I can see is my problems, but I'm going to stop and I'm going to look up and give upward attention towards you. Your ways are higher than my ways. I need you to make a straight path through this. Help me. I'd encourage you to think about it like this. If you, you know, doubting, if you got doubt about your Christian faith or the claims of the Bible or who Jesus is, here's my encouragement to you. Let that be a desire to understand. And my, my guess would be is if you dedicate yourself to the good kind of doubt in life, you will be rendered yourself more courageous, more faithful, more strong in your faith, more robust in your thinking than you were before. Doubt explored correctly with the right heart attitude and the desire to learn only renders you better, more courageous, more strong, more faith-filled, more hopeful, less hopeless. North Valley is a good place for people to doubt. Jesus was uh, questioned and doubted. Remember the guy doubting Thomas? He's like, they're like, hey, Jesus is alive. He got crucified. He's buried. He's risen again. And Thomas is like, I doubt it. And then Jesus meets him and says, you know, Thomas says, unless I see your hands that were crucified to the cross, I won't believe. And Jesus extends his hands. Good kind of doubting is the kind of doubting that you and I need to do more of. So here's my question. How can we overcome the feelings of hopelessness today? First thing I'd encourage you is just doubt with a holy and humble curiosity to understand. Think about whatever doubt that you're going through. Maybe you doubt that your marriage can get better. Maybe you doubt that your financial situation will get better. Maybe you doubt that your your plans or whatever you've set out for and it's just not working according to your timetable, why don't you doubt with a sense of like a holy quest and a really humble curiosity and say, I don't understand this, God. I really don't. But I'm asking for you to help me through this process. That's the kind of good doubt I want to encourage you to have. Secondly, I'd encourage you to realize that God is always with you. That He's always with you. 
God is, uh, the attributes of God, he's omnipresent, meaning he's everywhere all at once. Even in the bad places, in the dark places that you go through in life, the seasons, the discouragement, the depression, the late nights when you can't sleep, the early mornings when you're exhausted, the long hours that you put in at the workplace, the distance you feel in your marriage, the isolation you feel maybe as a single, God's with you. That's what probably encouraged Mary the most. The first thing this angel says to her, he came to her and he says, Greetings, O favored one. The Lord is with you. The Lord is with you. Third thing I'd encourage you uh, to help understand and overcome the feeling of hopelessness is understand that you have God's favor. The angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. For every Christian, uh, you, have, you don't face God's fury or wrath, you face His favor. You're not an enemy with God at any point in time in your life, you're only a friend of God. As a Christian, the weapons have been laid down and there's peace between you and your Heavenly Father. There's a sense of favor that every Christian has, that you can't lose that favor have you ever been on a, a sports team before and you know there's one kid that's just really good? Or been in a family before where there's kind of one favored kid? That's the same kind of idea God has for you. And you're like, well, how can he have all those favorites? He's God, I don't know. But you're favored. You have a sense of favor over your life. And so that ought to give you a, a sense of hope. of God's favor and it can't be removed. Whatever you're going through right now, God wants to be with you and He wants to reveal to you that you are His favorite. That's a powerful message. You don't have to earn yourself or prove yourself. Actually, because even that word, for you have found favor with God, is, it's about God's grace. It means that you've been graced. It's something you can't earn. The favor that you have with God, the reason why you got God's favor is because Jesus Christ lived a life that you couldn't live. And he died in your place. So you don't have to pay this penalty. You don't have to try to atone for all your sins. It's all been paid for. What gets us favor is a relationship with Jesus Christ. He paid it all for us. Favor is a supernatural uh, gift that we have with God. That can help us get through our feelings of hopelessness. Fourth thing is, I want to encourage you, remember that nothing is impossible with God. The angel shares that with Mary when he says, for nothing will be impossible with God. I want to encourage you to claim that promise. To claim that the promise that nothing's impossible with God. Whatever you're going through, the challenge, the difficulty, the bad medical report that you've received, the dysfunctional family either that you're in or that you're watching and trying to help navigate. You claim a powerful promise and you say things like this, nothing is impossible with God. I got some situations in my family right now that I'm looking at and I'm going, how is this going to work? How are we, we going to move forward? What's going on? I find myself in different seasons of life where I got more questions than I have answers. And it's powerful truths that we find in the Scriptures that kind of pull us through a season of doubt, a season of maybe despair. And we can go, you know what? The Bible says that God says, nothing's impossible with God. I mean, if we believe in God, 
If we believe that God is all-powerful, then right, nothing would be impossible for Him. Lastly, I'd encourage you to to help overcome feelings of hopelessness is agree with God that you are His servant. You're not the king. You're not the CEO. You're not the, the president or the vice president. You're a servant. Even if you do wear the earthly title of CEO or manager or district manager or whatever. The Bible calls us to live like servants and Mary understands this. She's a great example for us all. Mary says, behold, I'm the servant of the Lord. That's a great position for us to find ourselves in if we believe in an almighty king, that we're his servants. He's got a powerful kingdom and we're to play our parts. You've got to see your part in life that you serve a king. The king is is not the president of the United States. The king is not the king over in England or in Europe. The king's not from earth. He's a high king of heaven and we're servants. And Mary understands that and she humbles herself and she says, Behold, I'm the servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. And then the angel departed. He said, job well done. I get it. She's got it. She understands she's a servant. Her plans were changed. Now she's accepted this new word from the Lord. And she's accepted it. And she says, I'm your servant. Here's my encouragement to you is that you realize this take-home truth is that God's presence is a solution to our problems. You need God's presence in your life to get you through whatever you're going through on a daily basis. You need God's presence not only when the problems hit, but you need them right in the, in the triumph and in the success. You need God's presence. But whatever sense of doubt that you're feeling or any sense of hopelessness that you might find yourself in, if you're there right now, remember God's presence is the solution to our problems. It doesn't mean that He's going to fix everything. It just means that He's going to be there right there with you. And I believe sometimes when you're going through the hardest times, that's when God's presence shows up more than ever. That you can sense He's there. That you sense He's right there in the midst of it. God's presence is the solution to our problems. In the first service, we had a sharing time. And we'll do it again here in just a minute. And a guy stood up uh, right, right at the end and he said, Ryan, you know that point right there, God's presence is the solution to our problems. He says, as a, a person who's been a believer a long time, I've experienced God's presence and His love in my my life in a new way at an old age, and I'm so thankful for that. That no matter what I'm going through, I can sense that God is there. You just might be the matriarch or the patriarch of your family, even though biologically you might not be, God could raise you up to be, and you've got to be a steady voice of reason. God's calling you to pull together a family and be a voice. God's calling you to be an influence in your generation. God's calling you to to have a a supernatural sense of your whole life that it overshadows you. Like Mary, the, the, the Almighty will overshadow you all the days of your life. The same God that was promised to be with Mary is the same God that's promised to be with you and me. The same favor that Mary had is the same favor that God grants to you. The same power and the same presence, God offers that to us that we can walk with Him, know Him, and experience His presence in the middle of our problems. So my encouragement to you is whether you're hopeful or feeling hopeless during this holiday season, as you remember, God's invitation is to walk right there through it with you the whole way through. And we can always look to Scripture as a great example for us to follow. 
and see the personal relationship that God offers through His Son, Jesus Christ. So let me pray. Heavenly Father, thank You for this morning and Your Word. I pray, God, that as we uh, come together in this time, that You would be honored and glorified. Thank You for the opportunity uh, to hear in the first service about people sharing and how, God, You've been at work in their life. And Lord, we invite You now. Would You minister among our people, uh, Your people, Lord, um, and uh, use this time to edify and build up the church. In Christ's name, everybody said, Amen. So we're going to open up the opportunity. Maybe uh, there was a point in the message or just something, that an event during the week that really encouraged you that God was doing something great in your life and He's showing up and doing something in your life and you want to share. Uh, I encourage you to just raise your hand and then we'll um, bring over the mic and hold it for you and just you know, take just a minute or so to share what God's been doing. So this is a little bit new for us at North Valley. We've done it in, in some years past, uh, but hadn't done it in a long time. And don't worry, you, you're accepted uh, as you are. So just raise your hand and one of these guys will come by right here. Um, can you hear me? Okay. I started coming in, in July. Brittany is the one that invited me. We used to work together. And uh, I got to a real little place in my life. And I'm a mom of three and I'm a... Uh, happy wife. <laughs> um, my husband struggles with his beliefs, and um, sometimes he'll come. Um, but I started coming in July. I decided to get baptized in September, and in August, we decided to go look for a dream home and just start working on goals, and uh, the second house we found ended up being it. We closed on it the day before Thanksgiving. It's a brand new house. <laughs> so life is good, and I just got some free hearing aids. I have had um, really bad hearing and it got a lot worse in the last three years so um a family friend her uh, brother-in-law is uh, an ophthalmologist or i mean i'm sorry <laughs> a hearing doctor anyways <laughs> um so all i had to do was pay for the receivers and i got gently used uh, really good hearing aids so i can hear now instead of my 30 to 40 percent hearing i had before so amen i think we had another one right yeah, go ahead Thank you for sharing. Hey there, guys. My name is Shannon Ross. Um, I have a friend who recently found herself in a situation of uh, domestic abuse and lost her job right about the same time. And I've been really faithful um, to pray for my friend and to seek out services uh, for her and for her children to, um, you know, call upon my friends to help provide gifts for them for the holiday. And in doing so, I mean, Kevin and I have recently walked through something that was very trying for us. And instead of turning inward and being concerned with our situation and how we would have our unmet need met, um, in praying for my friend and facilitating, um, you know, gift collection for her, our need was met. Um, so I just want to say how wonderful it is that God is always faithful to provide. And even when you think there is no hope, there is. Yeah. Amen. We got time for one more. At least one more. Good job. Thanks for sharing. Right over here. That's fantastic. Um, I came here again, uh, just like the lady over there, about May, June. Um, I'd been, uh, didn't have a church for about four months. I don't know. But uh, I came here at a very low point in my life. And asked some friends about it, and they said, "Come on down," and that was cool. I really liked it, you know, the first time I came here. But I met Ryan. I asked him for some help, and uh, 
He was awesome. Introduced me, um, encouraged me to join a neighborhood group, which I did. And uh, the funny part was not just a neighborhood group. He mentioned a specific one, which is uh, the right thing to do because through that neighborhood group, I've actually met an even smaller, tighter-knit group of friends um, that are really supportive and really helpful. So um, coming here, there's a great support system. Um, if you need help, reach out. You will find it. That's for sure. Amen. So. Thank you. All right. Well, here's just my encouragement to you. If you've got a burning desire to share, come back next week, and we'll, we'll do it again. Let me pray. Thanks for sharing, guys. Lord, this morning we give you thanks. Uh, God, we thank you that uh, you offer a relationship with us through your Son, Jesus Christ. And simply by believing in faith that Jesus Christ is Lord and receiving you, believing that you can forgive our sins and confessing you as Lord with our mouth and believing that in our hearts, the Bible says we will be saved. Lord, thank you for that uh, grace that is upon us in our lives uh, as a believer in Jesus Christ. And God, may the grace of God rest upon us well. And we receive that even more in this time of communion. In Jesus' name, everybody said. Thank you for listening. To become a supporter of North Valley Community Church, give online today at northvalleychurch.org.